This episode of the Turf District Podcast is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here with the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. That's parkpower.ca. Enjoy the show. Hey, fellas. We ain't gonna ever back down from nobody. I don't care who it is. This is a brotherhood. And if we stand strong together, we can't be denied. If one of us go down, we have another and another and another that's ready to fight. So let's hit this field and bang them. Bang them. Bang them. Somebody light me up. Time to huddle up. It's the Turf District Podcast. Turf District, where we huddle up to talk all things Edmonton Elks and the CFL, and we're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and also a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Andrew, and boy, are we excited for tonight, because not only do we have a show, we have the Manny show tonight uh, to talk to. Uh, let's bring in the gang so that we can get everything started, starting with Superfan. Mike, how are you, Superfan? Fantastic! Oh, look at those uh, antlers. Yeah, it was nice. We got to actually go uh, to Calgary and watch the game live for uh, I think the first time we've seen a game together in what four or five years, like sitting together. So that's been great. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was awesome because then we could uh, the banter was outstanding. uh, Yes. And uh, it's always good to be able to uh, make comments to each other and at the same time look at each other and go, Sergio. Oh, it's true. Yes. Although I think Thomas wins for the best uh, Sergio yes. impression. Yes. <laughs> he practices every day. Yeah, he's, he's very good at it. He's very yeah. good at it. Uh, also joining us, who is in Calgary but not at the game, one Commissioner Gala. How are you, Commissioner? Oh, it was very sad to be in Calgary and not to be there for a football reason. But I was there for a really good reason, so I can't complain. But I, it wasn't spoiled for me, which I think is a first this game. Really? Yes, I think this is the first time that this game was not spoiled. I did everything, though. I kept off social media. I turned off the radio. I did everything. And it worked. Awesome. And then you just got to watch when you got home? I did. Well, no, I didn't get home till like 2.30. 2.30. Yeah. Big accident. So that was not good on the 2A. Or on the Highway 2, yeah. So the next day. At least you've watched it. I watched this time, it. This time when we talk about it, you can be like, I know what game I watched. That's important. Hey, hey, it's been pretty good this season. <laughs> it has been. It has been. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> 
All right, let's bring in uh, our yes. guest. Uh, we're very excited tonight. We're joined by 10-year CFL All-Star wide receiver, one of the top receivers in the CFL so far this year with the Elks, um, and also wears a wonderful shirt for practice on a regular basis. It's the one and only number 84, Manny Arsenault. Thank you for joining us, man. No, thanks for having me. Absolutely, we're we're awesome. We're, we're so excited that you're here, um, and uh, and and thank you for wearing the shirt at practice. We do appreciate that. Um, I like your alteration. I was thinking of doing the same thing, but I'm pretty sure you pull it off way better than I do. So, um, <laughs> but uh, no, you, you've you've had a, quite a season already. Um, I mean, you there's only one target that you haven't caught so far, and then that was called DPI. So, um, how is it going for you uh, being in Edmonton over the last couple of months? And it's going well, you know, I'm just blessed and thankful for the opportunity. Um, the Elks organization bringing me into training camp and giving me an opportunity to actually come out and compete. That's kind of the biggest thing for me. And, you know, everybody throw it around that, hey, you know what, um, he's up in age. He's an old guy. He's been out of football. But it's funny because the year I was out of football, there was no football in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like, you know what, I have to basically go back, rewrite, do everything all over again, improve myself as the rookie I was coming into BC wearing number 74 back in 2009. So, and that's kind of been my mindset. Um, just like, you know what, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to lead. I'm here to contribute. And I'm here to be a role player and really execute my role. But at the same time, in the back of my head, it's like, let me show the world what it is I can do. Because that's the first thing that comes to mind. Hey, he's up in age or he's been out of the sport or he come out of retirement. I never recall retiring. So, <laughs> you know, it's all those little things, man, that make you the competitor and, and just want to put your best foot forward. But I just know with me having a blueprint in the CFL – it's just kind of, that's my, it's a habit to have a work ethic second to none, but just to be here in Edmonton, have an opportunity, man, I, I couldn't ask for more. Boy, are we ever glad that you took that opportunity. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's been, uh, it's been amazing to see you, uh, to see you out there. Uh, man, appreciate that. One thing we always love to do when we have a player on is kind of go back to the beginning. So yeah. Uh, who introduced you to football and when did you start playing? Man, I kind of, um, I was a late bloomer, I would say. I kind of got introduced to the game in middle school. But um, going um, going back to Louisiana, man, basically from my eighth grade year to my 11th grade year, I was kind of cut from the team, didn't make it. Like, you're too small. You're not fast enough. You're not good enough. And I grew, what, 12 inches the summer going into my senior year. And we had a coach by the name of Jules Sullen come in from Lake Charles to be the new head coach at Peabody, um, where I went to high school. And I got my first opportunity my senior year. But I played only, like, what, six games, five games? I broke my arm on my birthday, my wrist. Oh. But, um, but I was able, out of those five, six games, to sign a full scholarship to attend Alcorn State University. So, um, yeah, it was it was different for me. So basically my college years to just now going pro, I really didn't learn the game and perfect my craft to the age of what, 21, 22, when I joined the Minnesota Vikings and was able to get coached by Coach George Stewart. 
um, and really learn what it is to play the wide receiver position. And I think even at the year I'm at now, going into my 13th year overall, there's always room for improvement and always room to learn. And and a and thing about me, I love to get coached because there's always room for growth. So, and I think that's what kind of separates me is the fact that I want to get coached. I want to, what's the small details that I can improve? And, and that's the whole thing about being here. There's way more I can do because I'm not doing enough because right now we sitting at what, 0 and 3. So there's more that I can do and should be doing. And that's kind of my mindset. That's outstanding. When you you started playing, were you always a receiver or in the early days did you play both sides Man, of the ball? I played, um, yeah, I played free safety and wide receiver, small and like the little peewee league. I got some snaps at quarterback with Revan Dupar playing with the new Bethel Crusaders, but it kind of tapped into wide receiver. What position covers that is like free safety DB. So in high school, you have the tendency of going both ways. Even when playing seven on seven, which is kind of taking off, you get in that. So it's like you mirror the position you play. And that's kind of what I did. So when I ended up breaking my arm, it was like defense was the major role until I was able to teach myself to catch again with a soft cast on. But when I got to Alcorn, my position was strictly wide receiver. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. It's amazing that Chris Jones hasn't put you on defense yet. I mean, that's gonna say. Much, right? <laughs> but we're yeah. glad you're a receiver. Yeah, no, nah, I'm an offensive guy with a defensive mentality. That's why I'm not afraid to hit, use my pads. I take great pride in the um, in blocking in the run game. If you ever was just to watch some of that outside of the catches being mm-hmm. made, it's assisted not being afraid to go do the dirty work. And, and that's something that keep you around when you don't mind doing the dirty work and don't care who actually gets the credit. Yeah. Tough as nails. Uh, so, okay. Louisiana. I always have to ask because that's just who I am. Yeah. So who was your team growing up then? If you're from Louisiana. Man, you know, what's crazy. I'm a saints fan. Cause it's the whole, the home team. But when football would come on TV, for some reason, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> Because you got to think the teams that was always being aired was like the 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, and it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I was a huge, like, Jerome Bettis fan, watching guys like Heinz Ward, another guy, man, that was tough as nails and didn't mind doing the dirty work. But it was it was the Steelers, and just being from Louisiana, you know, I'm a fan of the home team Saints, but – Growing up, it was something about the Steelers that I liked because they would always be on TV, Jerome Bettis running people over. So, yeah, I was a Steelers fan. Well, Best just, interview ever. Yeah, you just pleased two of the three people here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, then, <laughs> yeah, can, you, can you, though? Can yeah, you? Can. Well, he, play, he played for your team. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, here you go. He played for Minnesota. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Three for three. Yeah. Three for three. <laughs> So then, uh, who was one of your favorite or some of your favorite players growing up? Man, I would have to say, well, Randy Moss. I always enjoy watching Randy Moss. You got to think Deion Sanders because his mentality, mm-hmm. the whole look good, feel good, play good, pay good type stuff. The swag before swagger was a word. So Deion. true. <laughs> then you so got true. like Terrell Owens, different guys. But I kind of watched the game of football just for like entertainment. So I was more so 
I wouldn't sit and watch the game, but let me watch um, Sports Center with Chris Berman and, and the countdown so you can see all the highlight plays. And that's kind of how I am. I'd rather just, hey, you know what? I'm not going to watch any games this weekend, but I'm going to wait till TSN come on and I can see all the highlights. That's kind of like <laughs> how I am. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is, man. Just want to see a good game and watching the game for the entertainment purposes. Yeah, well, and th- that's a good way to watch it. I mean, that's it. It is a fun game to watch. Might as well just enjoy, <laughs> see what that's like. But yeah, you know, when so 2009 rolls around, right. and you come up to BC, did yeah. you, like did you even know what the CFL was at that point, or was that a whole? I absolutely, experience? I did not have a clue. I was walking <laughs> the stage, getting ready to graduate from Alcorn, and my mom hands me this little yellow folder and it was a contract to come to BC Lions training camp because I wasn't um, able to actually work out because we had track um, championships in Houston, Texas during the weekend of a workout. So it was just basically off blind faith that Wally and I want to say what Roy Shivers them at the time gave me the opportunity coming into camp. And I would say, heck, they brought me up there to cut me because they gave me number 74 (laughs) <laughs> like I was an offensive lineman, <laughs> but I remember having to go through the process of getting a passport, having to have that expedited, and it's like a week or two. I'm this kid from Louisiana leaving Alcorn State in Mississippi, flying to what Richmond, BC. So yeah, it just everything happened just like that for me in the blink of an eye. Wow! Wow! wow that, that yeah. What, what, what was that? What was that first? CFL training camp like because this is now bigger field more guys like uh, that must have thrown you man, eh, <laughs> yeah it was cool man but um me coming into camp you gotta think I came into camp I want to say it was G. Roy Simon Jarrell Banks Corey Rogers um Ryan Grice Mullen Terrence Scott Otis Amy another guy from Nevada uh, that had a receiver from Seattle so if it was 17 receivers I was number 17 on the list last in line so my role was to do one-on-ones after practice and 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 unfortunately it's like i got an opportunity from that because what's crazy the play that opened the coach's eyes i remember catching a flat route five yard little out route ran out of bounds but no whistle blown and i outran the safety's angle and it was like man this kid can actually run but my first couple of days of training camp, it was like individuals, they go through team, and I'm standing in line because I want to say Jarrell was coming off an injury. Corey Rogers was wanting to play. So if the reps was going ones, threes, twos get two, the third group get two, anybody after that, you fall in and get one. If the veterans hogging reps or I miss out on one, I don't get a go. So for me, it was like I was doing more watching than practicing. But I knew when you broke the field on um, practice break, it was like, hey, 74, we need you for these one-on-ones. They bring a DB in. I got to go against him. So that's kind of was my role, the beginning days of actual training camp. And then as things started to, you know, just take shape, I started getting opportunities. And it was like getting in, getting in um, the preseason games where we went to Calgary. I caught a touchdown from him. Zach Champion threw me a ball. <laughs> then me and Lule made our connection. Then they come down a roster cut down day. They kept me instead of um, Corey Rogers. So I ended wow. up making a team because I remember Cato asking me, 
hey, you want number 18? I'm like, nah, that's Corey's number. He was like, nah, man, they're going to go with you, rookie. And I was like, you know what? Give me number 84 because I had 74, and I was like, make this a receiver number. And that's when, like, you know, rest in peace to Cato. But, man, that was, like, one of my best friends because every time I'm showing up, I knew he was the one guy that I can talk to because if I was going to get cut, he'll let me know first. The <laughs> guy know everything. So everywhere I've been, I always get in good with the equipment guy. And not for that reason, but the fact that they, they, they're, they're there for us. And regardless if we need something, the equipment guy is always there. I need to get in a facility. I need some shorts. I need some cleats. And I think sometimes they get overlooked or you really don't take into consideration that them guys help run the football team but like everywhere I've been is always man let's check on them see how they doing the people that work in the the, the medical side because you got to think man they have some long days dealing with 40 50 60 athletes and grown men at that and you know as adults you kind of be stuck in your ways because when you want something you want it you want to be seen as right then and there but um yeah so it was it was wild my rookie year because I was thinking Man, am I going to make this team if I'm not getting any opportunities? But my opportunities was those one-on-ones. And when the chance to get the ball and it came my way, I made the most of it. That is awesome. So uh, you've been obviously 13 years. So what are some yeah. of the big differences outside of that between your fir- you know, first couple of years and your and most recent couple of years? Man, I think the biggest thing was one is – um. It's how the playbook is when you come into camp where they give you a ton of plays. And I realized over the years, man, coaches don't cut players. Players get themselves cut. And I never understood that when Wally would always say it. But it's really keeping the main thing the main thing. You knew you in camp. You're in a new city. It's like, hey, man, let me go check out Edmonton. Let me walk around. You know what? Let me stay up at night. You do everything but the one thing that got you there and that's to make the team and I think the early years you really don't realize that you so caught up in the opportunity beating guys out but when coming to Canada you don't compete to be the best receiver you have to compete to be the best American being that it's not like American football so they could bring in an offensive lineman and cut a wide receiver it ain't that we're gonna bring in a receiver to get rid of a receiver it's the American and the Canadian position but it's just, man, just making the most of, like, the opportunity. And, like, for me, it was – for the hard part for me wasn't the camp. It was staying up for night meetings. So it was <laughs> like I still haven't learned how to stay up for night meetings <laughs> still to this day. It's like you practice, you have dinner, it's cold in there, and you're tired. But I just guess for me, I looked at every day as that, you know what, it's a blessing to be here and I can be gone tomorrow. So every morning I walk in the locker room, I'm just thankful to see my name still on there because until you've been cut and released, I don't think you take into consideration how blessed you are to play this game of football. Absolutely. Well, I guess I can say absolutely, but for us fans, it's like, it's such a blessing just to watch. And I think 2020 taught us something that you never take anything for granted anymore. (laughs) including segueing, uh, going to different stadiums and CFL road trips, because that was a a huge uh, missing point in 2020. But what stadium, apart from Commonwealth, did you enjoy playing at most? 
Man, Mosaic. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing like playing at Mosaic. And I was blessed to be on both sides when I played for them in 19. But just coming to Mosaic and they playing that T.I. song, Bring Them Out, the people in the green suits, the cowbells, watermelons on their head. He's like, <laughs> man, it's about to be electric. And that's like the old Ivor, Ivor Wynn, I want to say, stadium mm-hmm. where Hamilton was at with the dugouts. Yeah. Like, those spots, man, is classic. And being, it, it was just like Mosaic number one. And then it get a little hostile out there back in the day with Montreal, back in the Anthony Calvillo days. Like, it used to be hard to go in Montreal and win. You see, like... That's like the younger guys wouldn't know it, but like now, like it's different. But just a lot of spots on the road was hard. But you got to think, man. I played for Wally. A lot of people wanted to beat him. Everybody wanted to beat the BC Lions. We had guys like Dante Marsh, Corey Banks. You got to think Travis Lule, Jarius Jackson, G. Roy Simon. So every team used to get up to say, "Hey, man, BC coming to town. We got to beat them." So it was like every game was like a rival game or a game you really had to show up, being that we had so many decorated stars on the roster. But I think Mosaic was like number one from how crazy it used to get. And Commonwealth as well was a place. It was hard to come here and win. Back when the grass was – it was grass when I first got in the league. <laughs> Coming yep. here in October was the last place you wanted to come. The half <laughs> marks would be frozen. It'll rain the first quarter, then that freeze up. And you got Ricky Ray throwing corner balls to Fred Stamps running wide open. And it's like, man, what do we have here? But, you know, it's great history um, over here in Commonwealth and a lot of the stadiums within the CFL. Absolutely. That's like music to my ears when you say Ray to Stamps. Like, oh, I hear angels <laughs> singing in the background. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But did did you have a favorite uh, DB you went up against? And uh, who is the best trash talker, in your opinion? Man, you know what? One of the guys I love playing against the most, and I want to say Chris Jones was the DC at the time. Calgary had Dwight Anderson. Yeah. Um, DA. He had Dwight, Brandon Browner, Brandon Smith. I want to say Keon Raymond. And when playing him, the DB would track you the entire game. So you know who had you man-to-man, one-on-one. And Dwight Anderson coming into the league was one of those guys I highly respected because he was a heck of an athlete. And somebody else that was a good competitor, as I think, was T.J. Heath. He spent time in Winnipeg. Then he was in Toronto. Um, You had Chris Randall. And it's a handful of guys going up against Ed Gainey that – was my teammate in SAS, and now he's my teammate now in Edmonton. But I'm just thinking of guys from back in the day where it was just a dogfight, the Billy Parkers, the Chip Cox um, over in Montreal. And, um, yeah, you think of Hamilton. They used to have Jeff Tisdale and all those guys, Chris Thompson. He was with Edmonton for a yep. while as yep. well, CT. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's the list of guys that I remember going up against and and nah, it had, it then had some talent and some guys that I had to line up and go up against. But I would say D.A. Dwight because I had to deal with him when he was in Calgary. Then I also had to deal with him when he went to Toronto. He played in Toronto as well. Yeah. And um, but nah, he was a competitor, man. And we went head to head a whole lot because he would have to cover me the entire game. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> do you, well, like Caleb was saying, do you, do you talk to the guys while you're playing? Do, like, does the, do you, do you enjoy the trap? Oh, do I talk trap, man? I talk cash money trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talk big trash. And I'm glad I'm not mic'd up because people probably would look at me differently. I'll be like, <laughs> did he really say that? And some of the stuff I say, yeah, man, they probably would find me for it, especially with all these movements and different things going on in the world. But once I get going, nah, that's my thing. Like, I enjoy that, but I didn't kind of tone down some. But in the early stages, man, I would say anything. Man, let me go look up this person on Facebook or let me see what they, you know, just the mind games that go into it. Because, man, this games, man... It's mental all across the board. And if you can impose your will on somebody and talk trash, you kind of own them for the day. That's like me scoring on somebody, letting him know I own him and I'm going to do this to him the entire night. His <laughs> confidence is shot. And the second you lose confidence, you are out of it. And you think those little games run out in high school and college, but it exists at the pro level. That's why football is a huge momentum sport. And that momentum gone, just look at a team's body language. It says it all. But when you can just take the confidence out of man and just impose your will on them, that's what it's all about. Because at some point, everyone has a breaking point. And that's what you're trying to do. Like, let me break this guy down. And I got to see him two, three, four times a season. But I know when they play Edmonton and we got 84 they better bring their lunch pail and hard hat because it's going to be four quarters of football. <laughs> four quarters. I'm going to tell you what, well, how this is actually going to go down, and then you're going to watch me dance in the end zone. That's outstanding. That's, that's, that's a good yeah. way to do it. Um, now, on the Elks this year, um, what was the feeling like walking into that locker room on the home side for the first time? Man, you know, it was cool, man. You know, with some of the new additions they had. And just being back in football um, was the fun part for me. And with it being a lot of new faces, there's two or three guys um, offensively that was familiar with me because even playing against the rail when it was him and Bowman, then they had Duke and Kenny Lawler, people don't know, he actually was in training camp, I want to say 2016 or so with the BC Lions, um, and he didn't make the roster then, but had a decorated career. He stayed with it, persevered, got him, what, two great cups, and looking the face of or the face of the organization now, one of the top upcoming receivers in the CFL, um, a guy that I played with, well, that was in camp with me. Then the rest of them are just like young guys, so it would just be funny talking to a cat I'm talking football or be like, yeah, I graduated college 09. They'd be like, I think I was in elementary or high school or something. <laughs> so it'd be funny. And they'd just be wondering, like, how are you still playing? So no one calls me Manny. It's like OG. That's my <laughs> new name now. Like, say OG. Hey, OG. And it's to the point of, like, if I was, like, telling my name, they'd be like, huh? But it was like everyone just know me as OG. But it was like, man, it would be a blessing to still be playing ball that many years and being in the shape that I'm in. But, yeah, it, it was just great to, man, be here 
and showing people what it is that I can do other than coming to an organization where everybody just knew me and figured, hey, he's Manny Arsenal. He has X amount of catches, X amount of yards. We're going to give this to him. It was like, no, with my helmet and jersey on, I'm just another guy. But now you sit and talk to me. Oh, this is what I've done. And that was the best part about it, being able to go out and prove who I am and show up every day in camp with no complaints, ready to work. And that was the biggest thing. I didn't want people to think because of everything, the work I put in and the resume that I built, I deserve to be here. What I did in the past is irrelevant, but just having an opportunity to come out and compete and just show that I can still go head to head with anyone from anywhere was probably the biggest blessing ever. And that's the one thing I just wanted was the opportunity. If I couldn't get the job done, I was fine with that. Like I wouldn't be bothered, you know, 12 years, that's a heck of a career. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, so, I mean, you talked about there being a whole bunch of rookies there. Do you enjoy that, that role as a leader, uh, being the, the veteran that you are, or like taking people under your wing? Yeah, I love it, man. And it's not even just for guys that's on offense, man. People come have talks with me all the time, want to pick my brain and just figure everything out from a mental approach. And being that you know me, this is a no-judge zone. So if anything, guys want to talk about life after football, how I play so long, how I set this up, financial advice. Man, what did you do when it was your third year? Man, how did you stay in it mentally as a practice squad guy? It's like any question someone has football related, I've lived it. And I think that's the best part. And the thing about me is with my leadership, I show and don't talk. So I'm going to be out there running however many plays, smile on my face. I can be dog tired, but it's like, man, we have a job to do. And being about the details, I guess, is what gains the respect of other guys at this level is like, nah, 84 is out there doing it. Like, he's been there, done that. He's not a talker. He's a doer. And I think that have people gravitate towards you because what you, basically, you practicing exactly what it is you're preaching. Uh, the great part is, too, I mean, being a veteran, you were there in BC in 2011. Such a tough start. Five losses Man, you know what? Season. I was in the NFL in 2011. Oh, right, 2011. Minnesota Vikings. That's yeah, the wonder they started so slow. I had an opportunity of a lifetime right. to play in the NFL. But you know what? I actually came back during the bye week and came to a game and was still coming to Empire and kept my BC ties. And then, you know, Lule was somebody that I've never stopped talking to. But, yeah, they, they, they started off slow and turned things around. And it's a long year. And I think for us, when we as a whole – learn to finish we gonna be a, a we dangerous now we just as a whole don't realize how dangerous we are but when we can put all these pieces together and play for one man it all the jokes you know we got to take whatever it is you know what we got to accept that and take that that's what the record says that's what's out there so we got to live with that as men but once we click and get this thing rolling. I'm telling you, we're going to be a dangerous team. And I bet all the teams, the coaches thinking, well, until they figure it out, we better take advantage of this opportunity. But when they do, it's going to be a scary sight. And, and, and that's how I feel. And there's some talent in that locker room. And it ain't even talent what we need to win. 
It's just us playing together as one, putting it together. You see what I'm saying? It's like when all the superpowers combine, it's like, hey, they dangerous. But it's like, if you just got this individual, that individual, everyone's out there just working. It's like, ah, it ain't there. But when we all come together, embrace our role, understand the tasks that need to be done and finish, it's on and popping. The past two weeks, the lack of finish is what cost us two games against so-called two great teams. You had Saskatchewan that everybody's speaking on should be in the Great Cup this year and should have been there last year or whatnot. Then you have Calgary that has a tradition of winning, being a very disciplined team. We have both of those teams on the ropes, but it's like we let them out the corner. And and it's kind of us just making mistakes at the wrong time as a whole. But when we learn to finish, this Edmonton team will be dangerous. So, but for right now, whatever the media says, whatever fans says, you know what, we have to deal with it until we switch and change everything up and get back in the win column. But this is a very good team. And I'm not saying that just because I'm on the team. I'm saying it because we just have to figure this thing out and we close you know there's no moral victories in football but we are close and i got a feeling man this it, it, this gear gonna soon turn and when it does you're gonna see people gonna forget about this start that we have and it's gonna be like okay these boys rolling and they are serious so it's just a matter of time and it's like you want to figure it out now than having to figure it out later well, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing we know is Coach Jones doesn't settle for mediocrity. So the tables are going to turn eventually. But yeah. in saying that, what is it like playing for Chris Jones and all the rest of the staff? Man, you know what? It's an excellent staff, man. From McAdoo to Jarius to Coach Howe, man, everybody that's on board, you know, um, it's a great staff. And I had McAdoo in Saskatchewan. And Jay Jack and Howell, they was in BC. Um, I was with them. But this is my first time being with Chris Jones. And he reminded me so much of Wally, except he's vocal. You know, Wally Bono <laughs> didn't say much. Chris Jones gonna say exactly what it is. So so playing for him is like it's perfect for me. It's someone that's gonna hold you to a standard, they're gonna have high expectations. And the details have to be in the work. And he's that kind of guy where he wants results. And he Mm -hmm. ain't afraid to let you know what his expectations are. So playing for him, it was like, that's what I want and that's what I need. Because there's always room for better. And he's one of those coaches that's like, he's all about that 1%, man. I need you to get 1% better each and every time you're out there. Then you know people... Everybody feel how they feel about people when you're not in that organization because you can only guess and just go off he say, she say. And I know he was always a coach that was fired up, ready to go. And it'd be like, man, I don't know if I can play with him, play for him. Or it's like, I love to play for him because you never know what coaches be like because you only see them with a headset on and on the sideline or when they chewing out referees. But it's just his teams has always been a reflection of him having those great defensive guys and defensive players because he's a defensive coach. But I was like, okay, man, I see what it's like. He got some little, some little catch that where they hard hadn't bring their lunch pails to work. So he all right guy, but just coming in the facility, man, and seeing how he operate, how he work, just being, he's all of, he's precise with everything and want things done a certain way. 
man, that was like Christmas for me. I was like, this is my kind of guy. I'll run through a brick wall for Coach Jones. And I think he'll do the same for his players. And, and, and as a pro, man, guys just have to embrace that hard work works, you know. And you, there's no way of escaping it. Like, there's no shortcuts. And he's one of those coaches that's going to let you know there's no shortcuts. And if you think it's a shortcut, you're going to be on that short list to get on that bus or plane to go back home. So it's <laughs> like every day you have to show, like, success is earned and rents due every day. And that's his mentality because he's going to watch film. He's going to observe your body language. He's going to watch how everything works and how everything goes because you're here to win football games and you're always being evaluated. Wow. That's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, not surprising, but intense is what it sounds like to me. So, yeah. um, although it's nice to have, know what the expectations are right up front. That, that's the good part. So, um, right. Let, let's get a couple of fan cues for you here, uh, sure. Manny. Uh, we did get one uh, over Twitter from uh, Tim Capper, and his question was, uh, what or who convinced you to play indoor football uh, in Frisco, and what was it like to be coached by Arena League legends Clint Dolzel and Dant Radabaugh, I think is how you say it? But Capper's a major AFL fan, so there. Man, so Jonathan Bain, the quarterback of the Frisco Fighters. So I'm a sports performance coach, work with athletes back home in Texas. So I started that up when the pandemic hit. So I was catching with this guy, Jonathan Bain, who was the face of the Frisco organization. So I remember one day, man, Coach Uber came out. I did, um, did routes on there and was catching with Bain. And he was like, say, man. He was like, you a CFL legend, but he was like, you need to get this arena game a try. You can still go. I'm like, man, look, I think I'm done with ball. Let me wait and see. He was like, man, come check it out. Then the next week or two, Coach um, Dozel, Clint, they had a DB come out there, and they needed to work them out. So Bain was like, hey, man, you want to do some one-on-ones? I was like, oh, yeah, let me finish coaching. I do these one-on-ones. So we probably went 20 reps. I went like. 19 out of 20 reps like I was out there doing my thing and I was just like and coach was like hey man shoot man you need to check with the wife and see if she get a green light we started camping two three days <laughs> so like it was just 10 minutes away from the house I was like look man you know what I want to go out here for arena just to give me that closure finishing ball on my own terms. And then I was like, it's another FL I can add to the lead, uh, my resume, CFL, NFL, IFL. Like, <laughs> you know, it'll be good to, to do it. So just coaching and just working with Bain, that kind of, that kept that fire lit. And then I was like, you know what? If I ball out in the arena, I might can get a chance to go back up to Canada because I'm still in football shape. And playing the game. And that's the thing with football, film is your resume. And the thing about Coach Clint is he fall in that category of the Chris Jones, the Wally Vonos, then it's Coach Clint. He's just like Chris Jones to the T. And it's like playing with that kind of guy. And it's funny you asked me that because when I made the team in Edmonton, I got a picture where I was coming off the side after making a play and we was about to shake hands. And I sent them that picture and said, Coach, I want to thank you for everything because if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be in the CFL right now. Giving me that opportunity 
in 2021 and still play football and show that it's still some good gas in the tank. Because you never know like what moments led led me here to Edmonton. But the fact of not sitting out of football 20 and 21 gave me a greater chance to still come out here and compete. But Coach Clint was the first person that I thought about when I sent them that photo thanking him. And, and that's kind of what got me into the indoor league. And like Bang still messages me this day saying, hey, man, you might play four, five more years. I'm like, Bang, look now. <laughs> he was like, the only way you don't play is if you stop working out and just get fat or something. And he was like, I know that's not you because the Manning Show never stopped working. I'm like, Bang, look now, five, six more years, a whole lot. I'm just taking this thing one game at a time because he's down there with the Cobras tearing it up and killing it right now. But for me, man, it was just to show those guys that that they made mistakes off the field, probably had an injury, and they kind of journey was thrown off track. For me, it was to show them, like, look, man, at this point in my career, I was still able to get up north and get an opportunity. You guys, young enough at an age, to really right all your wrongs. And if you just really stick to the grind, you can make it. And that was the the big thing with me, was reaching back to the guys in a group chat saying, look, man, if I can do it, you can. But you got to be serious about it because no one's going to give you anything. And that's not even just the IFL guys that was with the Frisco Fighters. That's going out to the entire league because that's why guys play the game, wanting to get outdoor. It's an opportunity to get outdoor and, and hopefully someone can say, hey, man, Manny Arsenault at the age of 34, played a lot of years, man. He still got another chance to make it up north and play. And that's to give those guys hope so they don't think they out there sacrificing their bodies week in and week out. And it's just a dead end. And, 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 and that's kind of why I did it. And, and it was just to show those guys like this, what it can get you if you actually put in the work. And I think a lot of people want to skip the hard work part. It's like they want to finish product. Nobody want to do training camp. Nobody want to do the season. They just want to wake up a champion. It's like, nah, it don't work that way. <laughs> it's steps and levels to everything. <laughs> but that's what got me into the IFL playing arena ball, was training and working out with Bain, catching with him, just keeping my act sharp, staying in shape. And next thing you know, I'm out there scoring touchdowns, jumping over walls, making <laughs> tackles, doing all kind of stuff, showing up to practice every day, excited to play the game. But I have a whole new respect for the indoor league because it's not easy. It's a lot of pounding that goes within that game. It's a violent sport indoors. Like, it, yeah, it gets no serious. Kidding. Yeah. But that's what got me in the indoor league. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, super fan. You got a couple others in there? Yeah, I think we got two more here. Um, Julian Poirier is asking, uh, so it's a week off or a bye week or if you're in the off season, what do you look forward to most? Man, now that I'm married with kids, it's spending time with the family. But back then, young Manny, hey, man, where am I going to take me a little trip to? What am I going to do? I need to go chill, get away from this football because you got to find balance. And I think that's the biggest part now as a vet is like when I leave the facility, I'm away from football and, and just letting guys know it's your occupation and not your identity. And that's the whole thing with the bye week is really hitting that reset button and refocusing. That's like now, I believe the first bye week we have, I'm blessed with the opportunity 
to run a youth skill camp for dry land hockey that's in Vancouver. You know, so it's like being doing something like that, but more so it's about spending time, getting the body back healthy. If you're a little beat up, banged up, when you have those deeper buys, that's not like week one or two. But um, it's just, man, really the reset button and, and just kind of getting away from the game. And that's what you want to do. I know it helps me a whole lot. And that's the one thing Cato told me back in BC. He was like, man, go home. He was like, go home, go somewhere, do something. Because he was like, man, it's a long year, 18 games plus playoffs. He was like, it's a lot. And it's like, man, if you just sit around, it's like it take a toll on you mentally more than it does physically. And I never knew what he meant till later in my career. And it was like one of them weeks you don't go nowhere, you don't do nothing. It's like, man, bro, when the season going to be over, we still doing this or that. <laughs> but now it's really spending that time with family or just being out in the community doing events, man. And that's what I really love to do. And I think I need to do more of. I got to figure out a way. It's the interacting and fan engagement for me, like, finding out what's going on, when it's going to be youth games. Let me pop up at those, you know. That's kind of what I enjoy doing is taking that time to spend with family or using that time to spend with fans here in the bye. That's awesome. Um, last question here from the fans. Um, Chris, I, like Agar is asking, um, whenever your playing career is done, whether it's a couple of years long down the road, uh, have you thought about sticking in football playing or uh, any other role in football? Man, I want to work with youth. I got a youth athletic development program that I use and what I do. And that gives me the opportunity, man, to help shape these kids, give them a foundation and build the confidence, man, to have better social skills and not being afraid to go out there and compete. And it's like, that's what I'm about. And that's like even being here in Edmonton at the Turf Training Center. Every Tuesday at, what, 5 o'clock, I have a group of, what, seven or nine kids where I brought Manny Show Athletic Development to Edmonton. So it's like I do that every Tuesday at 5. But I know after the game and playing, that's what I want to do. Plus, I have a 4-year-old and a 1-year-old. So it's going to probably be time spent coaching them on their little league teams. And I got a nephew and niece that's in highly competitive sports, driving around, flying around, watching them play, and just kind of having the freedom to do those things. Because basically my life after football started in, 2020 when COVID hit um I was a new father just purchased a house so it was like uh oh it's time to start adulting right now so let me get a hang of this thing <laughs> and it was like okay this is what I can see myself doing because I don't have to consider it work um and that's kind of what I like most about it just working with youth and just doing different clinics and different camps and just being available and just basically having control of my time and the freedom is the biggest thing but once i'm done playing that's what i would like to continue doing working with the youth being a mentor coaching people up and things of that sort i thought i wanted to teach and go to school but i don't think i can be gone 10 12 hours out of the day i've been and lost my mind because i can't sit still so during the pandemic was my time to try everything that i thought i wanted to do and the the one that I stuck with was working with you <laughs> on my time, and that was the best part about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And you'll be a great teacher. I can tell just by the way that you talk, you, you know, you don't let them well, off easy. I teach, but this is how I you make teach through coaching. That's the good that's part. Right. That's and right. then I don't have to be gone all day. Um, all right. We got a couple of rapid fire questions for you here, Manny, and then we'll, uh, we'll get you out of here because I, I'm sure you have another early morning tomorrow. Um, what, uh, what, what's your favorite meal? Nachos. Wow. That's a good pick. (laughs) Nachos. But while I'm in Canada, it ain't a specific meal, but my favorite spot would be cactus club. Nice. Perfect. Well, so all right, what are you listening to these days for music? Man, I'm big on gospel, country, and a little rap. Nice. Ooh. Uh, favorite place to travel? Man, Australia. That Ooh. place is beautiful. I like it. Been to Guam a couple times, Singapore, but really, just anywhere outside the United States, man, you know, is a good place to travel and get to see the world. <laughs> you like to go to the place where everything can kill you. All right. Well, that's, that's fair. <laughs> that's the, hey, man, I, listen, I've heard Australia is beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, what do you like to do when you're not playing football? Man, relax, chill. And like I say, engage with people, man. I'm a people's person. Um, so it's just getting out and being around people. You know, nowadays, everything is that doggone cell phone. So it's like good to get out, talk, and interact and engage with folks. So that's my thing. So on game day, then, what do you do for your pregame ritual? Man, you know what I do? Warm up, listen to my few gospel songs, read a few scriptures or whatnot, FaceTime the kids, call family, friends, see what they up to. And like now I FaceTime kids that I train and be like, look, I'm at the stadium. This is what that looked like to kind of give them that game day experience and just try to not be too uptight. So it's like, let me do something that not have me anxious and like, let me hurry up and play. So it's like getting completely out of football mode right before it's time to get into football mode. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, chips or cookies? Chips. Unless it's Subway cookies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your cookies are the best. <laughs> well, I guess we know where you go for lunch. The next one was where do you go for lunch? Well, you just answered that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so okay, nah, I actually went to Subway today and got me. I'm like a big tuna breast. I like to get the tuna, oh, the turkey, the, the turkey sandwich. Yeah, the turkey, not tuna, but turkey. The turkey breast sandwich. And that's my thing. So I actually got one today, matter of fact, with some cookies. <laughs> Nice. You are speaking to my heart because that is exactly what I order every <laughs> single time I go to Subway. Yeah. <laughs> no word of a lie. So after this year, let's say we win the Grey Cup, what will be the first thing you want to do? Man, you know what? Go on a trip with the family somewhere as soon as it's over with. You know what? Just go on a trip with the family, spend time with my kids. Then it's like get back home. Pull my truck out the garage, crank that thing up, turn the music up loud, and just ride around Texas and reflect reflect back on the journey and everything, the adversity that, that we overcame this year as a team. And that'll probably be the biggest thing for me. But it's spending time with my boys, my wife, and then going somewhere as a family. And then after that, I think about football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Now, I know you're you're uh, you're only a couple of months in, but I know you've been, you know, in and around the league for a while, but what yeah. what does the EE way mean to you? Man, you know what? My first time thinking about it is you asking me right now, but it's crazy when I walk into that locker room and I see the faces and the names of people or guys I play with dads that's on that wall or even coming into the thing and you read City of Champions, it's a whole lot that comes with it. That's a standard that's in place. And I realized coming here, that's what this city's trying to get back to is that City of Champions and the winning culture. And what better way to come in camp and you got the hockey team rolling, seeing what this city can look like when they stand behind their team that's winning. So for me, man, it's just bringing back that, like you say, those winning ways. But it's a lot that comes with it when you look around the locker room at those faces for the people that paved the way long before I was here. So it's like, man, we're not just doing it for the guy on side of us. We're doing it for the guys that's on these walls that set the standard that have been winning for a long time. And that's just kind of how I am. I look at that little stuff and – and I'm big on that because it was like, one, you're here for a reason, and then you're here to win, but you look at these guys and you can look up and be like, dang, they basically ran the 80s. Or, <laughs> like, golly, like, did nobody not want to play them? Like, it's just, you know, the little stuff like me. I look at those things, but it's like, that's who you're doing it for, man, the alumni, man, the guys that paved the way that wore the green and gold. And it's like, it's just always a standard, man. The guys that paved the way, you're trying to do it for them. And the ones that come after you, you know what? You're giving them something to kind of look forward to. Yeah, that's that's outstanding. That's amazing. Um, Manny, tell everybody where they can uh, follow you on all of the social media platforms so that they can uh, get more of the Manny show. Because uh, I, Look, although this was amazing, I'm sure they want they want more. Look, it's simple. Manny show eighty four. Whether yeah. that's Twitter, what Instagram, whatever, LinkedIn, it might be that on there too. <laughs> but it's Manny show eighty four. M A N N Y show S H O W. And 84, and look, I do respond to everybody, unless it's somebody talking crazy. But um, <laughs> I respond to them too. But I respond to everybody, man, because like I say, this game is for the fans. You know, it's about them. And and I wouldn't be here if they wasn't out here cheering and coming to the – filling the seats in these stadiums. So anytime I can engage with fans, I'm, I'm thankful for that, and I always reply. Because they in this thing with us as well, especially the Edmonton fans. So when we walk these streets and they walk them and they wearing that green and gold, they want to have something on that they can be proud of. So we in this thing together. But, yeah, any fans want to reach out, kids, whoever, I do respond. So, yeah, hit me up. Find something to talk about. <laughs> I I will say that you do because uh, my son, you know, called you over at training camp. So you come over and sign his hat and you came over and did it. He was so excited. He still talks about yeah. it. So that was yeah, the, nah, man, that's what it's about. You know, look, if the fans weren't in the stands, why would we play the game? Yeah. It's <laughs> fair. It's fair. Yeah. So, man, they're a huge part of what goes on. So, nah, fans need to know that. So it's about them. So, Fantastic. You know, 
Fantastic. Well, we'll, yes. be, we'll be right back with the rest of the show. Uh, we'll let Manny get out of here. Uh, we'll be right back in just a, one moment. How you guys doing, man? James Wilder Jr., JWJ, hashtag Get Wilder. And you're listening to the Turf District Podcast. All right. And we Ooh. are back. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Man, he's. I love how he just fills in the answers. Like, he just. That was fantastic. Um, he can come back on anytime. I'm happy. To, yes. We can just call it the Turf District Manny Show. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Like that's, No problem. Yeah, we have a new co host right there. Manny yeah. Oof. Outstanding. Remember that that question I asked you earlier? Why was he, why is Manny so cool? I got yeah. my answer. You got your answer. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did get your answer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about some Elks news. Um, so Colin Kelly moving on to Hamilton for a seventh round pick. Uh, we found out from Colin first, and then we found out what the return was later. Um, but uh, obviously. Um, Chris Jones sees something in it's Martez Ivy, is it not? Did yep. I say that right? Okay. Um, and uh, and also probably freeing up some uh, some cap room as well. So um, oh. we've seen uh, a few a few things happen as far as cap room is concerned in the last little bit. Yeah, I mean you're talking about someone that is the second highest paid American offensive lineman. Right. I mean, ahead of Jamarcus Hardrick, for example, or so many other Americans in this league. Um, so, you know, if he's making, you know, 100 and I thought I read 137,000 a year, that's that's some money that I'm guessing we could spread around to other players, right? Um, we're seeing in BC what they can do when they've got a little extra money around because their quarterback, both their quarterbacks are on very low uh contracts yep. uh we have a rookie contract for their starter and michael o'connor probably not making a whole lot as the backup either so they can spread that money around so if chris jones can do that whether it's for this year or for next year right getting some some front-loaded stuff for 2023 we'll see we'll take it yeah absolutely yep. um now with that a few other moves announced uh some more releases which is weird because we don't do that ever that's true every monday or tuesday um uh, defensive back Matt Elam, defensive back Ethan McConzo, so older brother. Uh, yep. Quarterback Michael Beaudry, wide receiver Jalen Marshall, sorry, Kayla. Uh, and defensive back Malik Saunier, um, all released by the team. Uh, and then they did add Enoch McConzo and Raphael Leonard back to the active roster. So looks like there's going to be a little bit of movement there as well um and uh we'll, we'll talk about the game here first and then we can talk about where we might see those guys uh that they're bringing back into the active roster so the elks lose uh 20 or 30 to 23 i'm uh, trying to get ahead of myself there um and uh it was uh it was quite the game uh <laughs> i don't know mike we were there yep there were some goods to talk about in this game. I mean, the win margin is getting closer. It was 44 in the first game. It was absolutely in the second game and seven in this game. So, and we scored first, we scored a touchdown. Yeah. Um, definitely some positives for sure. There's no such thing as a moral victory in Chris Jones's world. Yeah. Um, or any football players. Again, world. you're seeing, yeah. you're seeing progress, right? So, um, 
people talk a lot about this being similar to the 2013 season. Uh, we went four and 14 that year, but we lost like seven games by by a by a single score. Um, so if we can start seeing that turning around, we can see this team getting better, like Manny was talking about. Uh, and we even heard um, Dave Campbell had said that he heard from an anonymous uh, Calgary player that they believe that this team is just one or two pieces away from making a move. So yeah. um, I think that's what we have at least to look forward to uh, in the game itself. Um, I think the kicking game was fantastic. Um, and even the cover, like you didn't see them getting a lot of yards on their returns. Um, our punt game, we outpunted them, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, kickoffs were great. It's hard yeah. to argue with any of that. Yeah, the kickoffs were like 72, 73 yards and the, and the yeah, hunting, I think part of the reason that they're not getting a chance to get any, re- or much of a return is because like it hangs forever. Like the <laughs> Like those things are sky high, and yeah, uh, yeah Mangle, uh, aka at Nuker forty six on Twitter, which right. I believe is an incredible name, um, is uh, very fitting. Yeah, yeah, killing it on the kicking game. Uh, <laughs> Kayla, what's what's your goods in this game? Um, my book's over there, so I'm gonna try to remember what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, definitely, I think the thing that stood out for me was the discipline um the penalties were way way down and you know even in what year was it when chris jones was was coaching our penalties were like sky high was that 2014 or 15 yeah 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 so to see that progression in discipline was i thought this whole game was a huge progression in my eyes i think we're trending in the right direction definitely and uh, a special teams tackling. And you said like the, the ball hung, but as far as I'm concerned too, is that the special teams actually picked it up a notch the, I definitely saw some pieces moved and, and I think they've improved as far as maybe not so much on the return, but when Callier was returning the ball, did they make it past the 30, 35 at all? Often. Not often. Or maybe once. So I think in that is like a huge progression. Uh, we still need a return, but, you know, we're getting, you know, usually around the 30, which is not great, but decent field position. It's not um, inside our own 10. Exactly. And what? And we it, it was moved back, too, right? So the fact that we're actually getting the ball up is, uh, is great. Anyway, those are, I think, the two biggest things that – I saw and really liked and were trending in the right direction. And that's all that I wanted for this game was to be competitive and to learn from the mistakes that we were making in the first two games. But, you know, there's still some, some stuff that we got to work out. Yeah, but yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, get there. Sure. we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about Kayla, talking about penalties, there were no defensive penalties this game. Yeah. Amazing. And we had, a, we had three penalties. Three. Yeah. yeah. Two on offense and one yep. on special teams. Yep. And for yeah. 30 yards. Wow. That's impressive. Like that's, that is impressive. That, that's, that, that really is impressive. Um, I, I thought the O-line was better this game. I thought they gave Arbuck a little more time. For I pass think. protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. For pass protection. Um, yeah. They still need to work on their run blocking for sure. Yeah. Um, although I still think they go away from the run game too early. I mean, 
Kadeem Carey had, in the end, the same average per carry as James Wilder Jr. Which well, really? They were both, they were both four point. Like it was four point eight for carry and four point one for okay. for Wilder. Almost a full yard. Almost a full yard, but even still, like that's like you gotta like you gotta work it. Like I, I don't yeah. think it's that far different that you know Carey nope. had the ball eight more times. Like well. Yeah. A couple, a few more times would have been nice in there. Um, I, I think we're we're missing the obvious positive from this game, and that is the Manny Show had a game. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Um, uh, he what was it? Uh, seven for eight or eight for nine? Hundred yards for target. Seven for eight. Yeah, and uh, and then a touchdown, of course, and and we did get to see the bushwhacker. Ah, I was going to ask him about that. Oops. Oh, well, um, but uh, it was. Um, yeah, I, I I thought he had a great game, and uh, and yeah, the defense stepped up. Who would have thought that Dion Lacey would get eleven tackles on the defensive side? Yeah, I think they gave they adjusted it to ten, but yeah, wow, even still, oh. even still, and like, and who, by the way, was the uh, had the most defensive tackles for Saskatchewan? For Saskatchewan? Oh, sorry, Calgary. I mean, yeah, Tremaine oh, Washington. Tremaine Washington. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least he wasn't the one that got the pick. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but he did break up the pass in the the yeah. end zone. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about a things. A couple of things we need to improve on. Then, Kayla, we'll start with you this time and come back around to Mike. Uh, well, I have two things, but I'm. Okay. I think we're on the same level, so I'm just going to keep it to the to the offense. Um, there definitely still needs some chemistry working with Arbuckle and a few of the receivers. Um, and the the communication is has definitely tightened up since the last game. You could tell <laughs> he wasn't throwing to nobody because because a receiver didn't run the correct route or whatever that was. Um, just a few overshots. Um, I don't know how I feel about so many deep balls all the time because most of the time it didn't work. And whether that was just Calgary was superior in the backfield and covered our receivers and played more man-man and definitely a bit more competitive than our backfield, but I'm pretty sure you guys are going to touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of figured. So I think just work on the chemistry and um, having our buckle feel more confident in the pocket too, because when he gets those balls out quickly, it's usually money. Um, but I find when he kind of drops back and has a little bit more time in the pocket, it doesn't, it seems like more of a cluster than not. So I don't know what the communication is. So in my eyes, it just needs to tighten up a bit, but definitely like you saw some more glimmers of excellence there, especially when you have uh, veteran receivers really taking on that, that role. Yeah, there were those yeah, roles right. like, you know, you saw, it was Darrell Walker. It was Manny Arsenault. It was Lawler. Um, most of did any of our rookies really play? The, the, well, the newer guys, the but, team. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Matt like the, doing returns. And, yeah. It felt like it was very much leaning on the vets. And I think it showed. OK, fair enough. Super fan. Uh, well, obviously, the run game needs work. Um, if you want to make it so that the defense isn't pinning their ears back on every, especially in that fourth quarter, we need to involve the run game in there. And that 
requires a run blocking. And ironically, with Colin Kelly gone, that was his strength, was run blocking. Uh, I think Ivy has done admirable. I thought he had a really solid uh, game on that right side. Um, no and then the other penalty. side, yeah. was that no holding? Well, that's just it. No holding penalties. I mean, we only had two offsides, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's not bad. Not bad for an offense. And the other side is just in the fourth quarter. We just have to keep that foot on the gas and 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 tighten up. Um, we, we're rushing three a lot, which is a Chris Jones defense. We saw it in 14 and 15. Doesn't get nearly as much pressure, so that gave Bo a little more time, and he sort of picked us apart. He had a great game. Um, as, as much as it pains me to say it, I thought he had a really solid game, especially after having not the strongest game in, in the, the first game of the season, and uh, he's sort of been bouncing back. Yeah, when he celebrates, a piece of my soul, like, vanishes. Yeah. I die a little inside. I yeah, die. it's painful. <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Not wrong. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go to the way that Kayla was talking about that the secondary did have a rough game, um, especially later in the game. Uh, Ganey and Deku did not have the uh, the, the that tough game. games that we would uh, we we kind of expect from them. Uh, they were they were chasing a lot, um, and so I think that uh, I mean, and and that probably comes with knowing who has to be where and and how they're going to play the different man coverages and things like that. I, I think that plays a role, and and let's not forget Calgary has very talented receivers like that. Yeah. definitely helps as well. And and it, at especially in that fourth quarter, we weren't getting the same pressure on Bo as we were like in the second mm-hmm. quarter, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that plays a role too. He had time to throw that bomb, right? To you know, to Malik Henry to get me a bunch of fantasy points to lose anyway. But you know, it was uh, it was one it's of those right. things where yeah, it was uh, at least it made it exciting, right, Mike? It's right. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a little tough. Um, and the other part is, is, and, and Mike, you and I talked about this a couple of times during the game is that Arbuckle was really locking in on receivers early and not, yeah, not looking them off by getting, looking off to, to, and not going through any reads. It was just like, it's going to this guy and I'm going to fire it there, whether it matters or not. So, mm-hmm. um, so a little, little more running through reads, and that may come to you if he feels a little more comfortable with having the time from the offensive mm-hmm. line, and and maybe that's part of it. Um, but uh, but I hope that because that it was, uh, you know, we kind of got killed by that interception, and it was just, you know, you saw the lock in, and he uh, telegraphed the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, one, that mm-hmm. one didn't work quite so well. So. Um, all right, let's talk about this week's game because this week's game is exciting. We are headed out to Hamilton for a July 1st Canada Day game. Yes. How exciting. Is it a double header on Friday or is it just us? That's a good question. Um, I think it might be a double header. I'm not sure. I think so because it is the, it is the day off. Um, nope, no, it isn't. No, there's one on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, Monday. Really? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Yeah, Winnipeg at Toronto Monday. on Monday the fourth. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Do they are they trying to get like Fourth of July watchers or something? I got nothing. I got yeah exactly. Winnipeg I'm, at Toronto, no less. I, I'm going to be at work, so that's uh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. five thirty start, so that's not bad. Oh, well, we're going to be recording then as the game <laughs> that ends as it finishes. Yep, perfect, that's perfect. Okay. Um, all right, so Elks at Hamilton. Both teams are 0-3, so this one's totally ending in a tie. Um, 
Hamilton uh, had some O-line issues of their own last week. Um, and their defense, although good, um, seems to be on the field a bit too much. Um, but let's talk about the keys to the game for the Elks in this one. Mike, let's start with you. Uh, keys to the game, I think uh, we need to get uh, more of our offense involved. It seems to be a lot of one guy. It was Kenny Lawler last week. It was uh, Manny Arsenault this week. Uh, Darrell Walker had some good catches in there as well. But if we can spread that ball around and not telegraph exactly who that ball is going to, it's going to keep the defensive honest. Um, and then, of course, again, get that run game. Let's get 15, 16 runs in there. Uh, Litre had a great run. Uh, eight or nine yards, nine, almost yeah. a first down, you know, in, yeah. in one run. And that was it. That was the only time he touched the wall. And I think yeah. especially playing for, you know, his old it would have been nice to see him get a little more, a few more touches in there. So, uh, I'll just stick with the offensive side for that anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Kayla. Well, I think too, um, seeing that our D line had a pretty decent game and hopefully, uh, our, our, back and side will improve a little bit more so if we can uh keep dane evans shaking up a little bit and keep their defense on the field and tire them out i think we might have a a shot at getting that first win although it'd be sweet to be at home we have to pull in that victory no no moral victories anymore no trending upward i'm satisfied let's take the win (laughs) let's make it two in a row when we're at home yes i like this i like this um i'm i'm gonna go along with what you said uh, Kayla and that that front seven has got to put pressure on Dane and the the Hamilton O-line has had some injuries and that they're dealing with and you know they're trading to bring in Colin Kelly and they're trying to to trying to boost that offensive line back up but he's now playing with a bunch of guys that he hasn't played with yet so I think we got to take advantage of that and put that pressure on. And mm-hmm. I think if I think that's shown in the last couple of weeks, if you can get that pressure in on, on Dane, then he throws it the wrong way. And um, maybe we can get one of those turnover type things. I would like one of those. That would be nice. Um, Please. And thank you. Yeah. And keep the penalties to three. That'd be or, or, or less. But yeah, three is wonderful. I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah, that, those are, those are all good keys. Let's, let's, let's talk about our pickums for this week. We, we talked yes. about all uh, the wide array of timings for the games, but, um, <laughs> this week we have BC versus Ottawa. Uh, so the upstart BC Lions going into the nation's capital. That's exciting. We have Montreal versus Saskatchewan in the home and home return back to the rectangle and Winnipeg versus Toronto on a Monday night, right before we record, what, who do you got? Let's start with Kayla. Holy crap. I haven't watched the Argos Lions game. And then I just scrolled up to see the score and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> BC has outscored their two opponents 103 to 18. Yeah. <laughs> In two games. Yeah. I mean, both home games. So I'm sure it'll flip around when they go on the road, right? Of course. <laughs> Oof. Now I'm like, yeah, I wasn't a big believer in BC. I don't know if I still am, but. Oh, man. So are you picking hey. the upstart Rourke who's lighting in the world on fire or Holy Mazzoli? Oh, how do I oh, pick oh, against oh, Holy oh. Mazzoli? <laughs> Sophie's choice. Not, right. not ever. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm going to go with my heart on this one because I didn't watch the BC game. So I didn't know how the Argos played. Obviously terribly, but where terribly? So I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Red Blacks. Okay. 
And then the next one? Montreal. Oh, right. We're doing that one. Uh, why would I go green? Uh, Correct. I'll, yeah, Al's. Okay. And then Bombers. Okay. Bombers over Toronto. Okay. Super fan. Uh, I'm going to uh, keep that train rolling in BC. I think uh, even with Brian Burnham now out for up to six weeks, it looks like with a punctured lung (gasps) and and cracked ribs. uh, That's pretty tough, but I mean, they just seem to roll along even without Ottawa, I think played okay against uh, the bombers in their first two games. Um, But I think BC is proven people that they are for real. And I think uh, James Butler is going to be back in the next game, as well as possibly Bo Lacombo. Uh, This is going to be a team that has a lot to prove because they were written off at the beginning of the season. And I think they're going to keep it rolling. That's BC. Okay. Wait, Uh, wait, wait, pause, pause, pause. Yeah. What the heck? How how did, what happened? Like he got hit bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a tough one for sure. Um, Montreal and Saskatchewan. I took Montreal in the last game. I think this is going to be much closer, uh, being that Saskatchewan's at home. I'm not sure if VA is going to be playing. Maybe uh, Cliffy or Tim can put in the chat on that one. I'm going to say if Harris is playing, then it's going to be Saskatchewan. If VA comes back, I'll take Montreal. Hopefully we'll get a little uh, knowledge closer to that. And then in the Winnipeg-Toronto game, I think... um, it's going to be, again, a little closer, but I think Winnipeg's going to take it still. How did Harris perform in the last game as an Argo? In Montreal. Andrew Harris? Andrew Harris? Yeah, yeah, just oh, in this Andrew last Harris. game, because I haven't seen it. Sorry, no, sorry, yeah, not Trevor. Andrew. The, the last game, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. The game before, no. he had an impact, but... Yeah, he had um, seven carries for 27 yards. Okay, well, okay. And then two catches for 19. Yeah. 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 Time in time. Uh, it's what? In time. Oh, in time. We hope so. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am actually just dittoing Mike this week. I've got BC, Montreal, and Winnipeg. I'm taking all the away teams this week. So, but the middle game just because I am not picking Saskatchewan all year, and it worked out for me last week. That was great. It did. Boy, I tell you, when they got that kickoff return, I was like, the, I was so excited. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah, so that'll be good. Yeah. Um, all right. So Elk Prop Bet, I see in the chat, we have a couple of uh, offerings there for some, uh, yep. for a prop bet. What do, what do you see there, Mike? Uh, so Julian Poirier is uh, saying sacks on Dane. So uh, sacks against Hamilton and David Winchester says the number of total penalties. So the number, not the yards. Oh, that's what I was going to pick. Good choice, David. All right. Which one do you like, Kayla? We haven't let you pick a prop bet. Which one do you want? Oh, well, since the one that David said was going to actually, I was thinking in my head, I'll have to go with David. Sorry, Julian. Now total of number, uh, total of number penalties. Good Lord. It's obviously late. Yeah. Start the words is hard. Yep, English be hard. Um, so uh, are we saying total number of penalties for the Elks? Or are we saying total number of penalties in the game? Uh, I don't didn't say so. Uh, dealer's choice. All right. Well, well, let's just we'll focus on the Elks because we that's what we do. That's what we All do. Right. Now we're playing in Hamilton, and they are they can be a little more of a stir up double team. Yep. 
Uh, well, they count. What? Now that I think Some, about it, yeah. Uh, well, Simone they, oh, Lawrence. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't stir up trouble. I don't know no. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, okay, so I am going to set the over under for penalties for the Elks in this game at six and a half. Oh, good one. <laughs> did I did I did I get it close there, super fan? Yeah, I figured that. Yeah, I was gonna say six. So yeah, I'd okay, say right all right. Uh, okay, so then you're taking the under. Then I will just squeak under. Okay, commissioner. I was thinking five, so under. Okay, mm. I am gonna take the over on this. I think it's seven, and the only reason I say that is just because I know on Hamilton, like it's just. The wind goes, so it's going to mess up with the kicking game. We're going to take penalties on special teams. <laughs> so I'll go the over. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, that's good. I see Linda's telling me to shake off the Calgary, Andrew. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, in fantasy football, um, the uh, Mike, I tried to make it interesting. You did make it interesting. You, but you beat me down uh, this week. Um, Thank you, Nathan Rourke. You had Nathan Rourke. That was an excellent pick. I thought for sure you would have taken him, but yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, and I did think about it and then didn't, so that was my my bad. Uh, But uh, you moved to one and one. I am now at two and one. Uh, This week you get Rod from the Wood Cookie cast. I get Travis Curra from the Two and Out podcast, uh, which is very exciting, uh, which means we can go back to sharing our uh, rosters with each other <laughs> earlier. And you could have told me to pick Nathan Rourke, and then we would have... I wasn't uh, going to do that, yeah. It would have been a lot... Yeah, this this week, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Uh, even if you're a busy business owner, with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when you're group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. That's ab.bluecross.ca. Uh, yeah, that producer's coming soon, so I can actually hit the right buttons. That's silly, but I think I did that nice. twice tonight. That's good. Um... This is really fun, guys. Um, yes. Let's get some plugs in, and then we can uh, we can switch over to OT for a short bit. Um, where do we find you, Commissioner Kayla? On Twitter at Duchess Lombardi. Perfect. And Superfan. Uh, most socials you can find me at Fifty Six Parkies, and then the Edmonton Football History uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram is at EDM H I S T O R double E. Wonderful, uh, and you can find me at Free Delicious. Um, and our APN shout out this week goes to the Mess Hall podcast. Uh, you can join hosts Avery and Lena Cochran and sometimes guests as they sample, rate, and talk about fun foods. Uh, you can find them and all the other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. There it is. And uh, thanks to uh, actually Avery from that show and his buddy Kevin, uh, they had me on the Sports Facts, Stats, and Smacks pod last week. Uh, it came out last Saturday. Uh, where we talked elks and tailgate food. So nice that down. It was uh, a lot of fun. Um, make sure, that, of course, that you are following our friends at Pay It Forward with Football. Uh, they are still doing great things to spread kindness, as we all should do in the world today. 
check it out everywhere. And I think it's pay it forward uh, with pay it forward with football on Twitter. Pretty sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Check it out there. Uh, and of course, follow us at the Turf District. We are on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, join the huddle and chat with us uh, more about the Elks. Uh, if you're on YouTube Live, stick around. We're going to have overtime right away. Uh, otherwise, we will be back next week to talk about us finally winning a game and being one and three as we beat down the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It'll be so great, right? Can't wait. I know. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will we will be back next week to chat all about that so in the meantime for manny arsenault commissioner kayla superfan mike i'm andrew remember you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter 